Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janita Cristofero and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Dougie. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, and welcome to the Dear Dougie podcast, produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofero, and thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is meant to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While we'll all experience loss during our lives, when it occurs, most of us don't know how to feel, what to do, or even how to talk about it. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, We hope these podcast conversations will lead to a better understanding of grief and ideas and inspiration for how to show up for yourself and those that you care about. One aspect of grief that rarely gets mentioned is the feeling like you've lost someone twice, once in a life-altering circumstance, and then again when they die. This feeling can manifest in many circumstances involving someone in our life that we love. It could be a substance abuse history, mental illness, or even just the changes in someone's personality that can come with a long-term physical illness, or really any other circumstance when there's a potential for someone to radically change in their way that they are in the world or how they are in relationship with us. For the people who are left behind, this can add a complexity in understanding their feelings of grief and for the people in their lives to understand their grief as well. Today's guest actually came to us from our listeners. So for those, those of you out there who maybe are listening to our podcast and you think, I have an idea for an episode, please reach out because that's what Caroline did. Caroline was asking about, can you do an episode on what it's like when someone in our life dies, but long before they die, maybe we've lost a connection with them. And as I went through the thoughts about who I could talk to about it, I realized Caroline was the perfect person to talk to us. So thanks, Caroline, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And Caroline's older brother, Bobby, died due to mental illness. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia in 2006, and he passed away in 2016. Caroline, you've talked about the epiphany that you had when he died. Can you talk a little bit about that? So six months after my brother Bobby died, I decided that I wanted to do something with purpose and meaning and something related to mental health advocacy since Bobby passed away from schizophrenia. And so I researched and I came across an organization called the National Alliance for Mental Illness, which um, is an advocacy group that does a lot of different work to help people uh, that suffer from mental illness. And so I enrolled in one of their courses that is geared towards helping family members assist their ill relative. And at the beginning of every class, we would always discuss the three emotional stages that we could be in, in trying to help our ill relative. And the first one was grief. That was a huge turning point in my grief for me because I never recognize that grief was a component uh, to really accepting the diagnosis for someone that you loved mental illness. I was able to see that maybe there were all of these feelings of grief that I had never processed or really coped with originally that I still needed to in order to move forward in my grief journey presently. For so many of us, when we think grief, we think someone's life has ended. 
and maybe a little bit about, you know, a relationship has ended, but we usually think about that more in our romantic relationships that we might have grief when that ends. So it sounds like for you, it was really an awareness of there was so much grief just with Bobby's diagnosis and how life was for us after that. Yeah. And I mean, for me, like when he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, I was a teenager. I was a freshman in high school. And at the time, my parents were getting divorced and there was so much going on aside from my brother's diagnosis. And so reflecting on that time frame, I definitely recognize how difficult it would have been for me to really see it that way as there was a grief component in his diagnosis. But having that epiphany has definitely helped me just understand the complexity of my feelings of grief a lot more. Is there an example you might have of, you know, having that realization that there was grief before Bobby even died, how that has influenced or affected the way you engage with your grief now? Yeah, so I think the experience of being in the course that reviews aspect of mental illness and being around other people who shared their stories of what it's like to try to help their loved one that has a mental illness and having them all speak to the same idea of that in order to accept that your loved one has a, has a mental illness. Um, there is a grief component to it. And, you know, once I heard that, I reflected on the experiences early on that I had with Bobby when, you know, he was experiencing episodes and when my parents were trying to help get him on the proper medication so he could be stable, I remember feeling like I lost that older brother little sister camaraderie type of relationship. I remember this one particular time, my junior and senior high school, it was combined seventh grade through 12th grade. So a lot of times when Bobby was a senior in high school, I was a fresh, I was, yeah, I was a freshman. And um, I remember one time he came into my math class and he asked for my calculator in front of the entire class. And I was just so humiliated and embarrassed because he was like pacing back and forth. It was clear that something was off and he wasn't exhibiting the behavior that he normally would. So I just remember feeling like, oh, I don't have that older brother protective of a little sister type of relationship that like I have always wanted and had previously. Yeah. And when you were that age and maybe had that realization, what did you do with those feelings? I mean, ultimately, I don't know if I really had a place for them. I mean, I always have uh, been someone to write. Like, I've had a diary since, really, since I was a freshman in high school and my parents got divorced and Bobby was going through episodes. I wrote then and I continue to now. And it's always helped me have reflection on my emotional state. I just feel like words can be so powerful and there are so many times where I write something down and it's it's nothing formal. It's just me writing out my feelings. And then when I read it back, I'm just like, whoa, like that is powerful. And it's just the beauty of writing. It can capture your emotional state and it can be very confronting. Like you could not even realize how 
much magnitude your emotions can really have until you read back what you wrote down. Seems like from what you're saying, even though you didn't really have a name for what you were going through, like you didn't know this is grief, you were still processing it in a way that people might often turn to to process grief. Yeah, and I think what's really powerful about writing down your feelings is it challenges you to actually formulate what your feelings are. Because a lot of times when you're just in your everyday life, you don't necessarily know how you feel about something unless you really sit down and give yourself the time to really process. And I think writing can sometimes be the tool. So I've definitely used that throughout the years to deal with different emotional uh, issues that I've had. One of the things that seems to happen pretty often for folks when someone in their life dies of a mental illness or some other circumstance that maybe is more stigmatized, how they lived often gets uh, overshadowed by how they died. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about Bobby, like how did he live and what kind of brother was he? So Bobby was um, the oldest of four. Growing up, like he was always very gentle and loving. Like he worshipped his sisters and his brother. He always looked out for us. He was a really brilliant musician. He drummed for hours every single day. I think what was really remarkable about him was that he was so humble about his talent. You know, he never really recognized how good he was. I just think that says so much about him because he was just someone that put his head down and worked as hard as he could, never really expected anything in return. What kind of music did he love to drum? Really anything and everything. Like he loved country music, um, rock and roll, like any type of music, jazz. He was always just eager to explore different types of music. And, um, you know, it was really amazing to see someone so dedicated to something that they love. And, you know, he was just so passionate about it. You know, he was also just the peacemaker of my family. Like, even though my parents were divorced, he always wanted everyone to stay in touch. And he really valued family. And that's something that I really try to maintain in my life is just having emphasis on family and for the people that you love, uh, because ultimately that's what matters. And when I think about his legacy and the impact that he's had on my life, it's definitely valuing family and, you know, the people in my life that I love and I care for. So lots of ways that you've tried to carry on that commitment he had to creating those connections. Yeah. You know, the other part when someone dies from mental illness or some other circumstance, like we said, that can be stigmatized, there can be a lot of questions from other people and a lot of curiosity about like, how did the person actually die? How has that been for you? How does that affect, you know, other people having questions about how your brother died? Yeah, I mean, initially, I remember like my good friend, she had told me that a lot of just mutual friends had been reaching out to her asking what happened. And my immediate reaction was just anger because it just felt like it's coming from a place of curiosity and not a place of just warmth and like genuine like care for me, you know. Now that more time has passed and my family members are more open to talking about my brother's cause of death and what actually happened, I've had to separate myself from 
what other family members think and just focus on his cause of death being mental illness because there were so many different factors that played into his death. I hope that I could obtain more answers at some point in time, but at the end of the day, it all comes back to the fact that he had a mental illness and he didn't have access to the resources that he really was entitled to and he needed in order to be stable and to live a fulfilling life. For me, that's just where my focus is. I know I've spoken to you a little bit about this, of um, just how my whole career pursuit was geared towards becoming an attorney to know the mental health laws so I could help him. Now, with him dying, I had to shift my focus to still doing and pursuing the same career path, but in his honor. That's just been really a healing force for me in dealing with my grief and just focusing on how can I help other people with mental illness? How can I advocate for them? What are the changes that maybe need to happen on a policy level that could reach more people with mental illness and give them more access to the resources that they need? And so I think for me, I've been more instrumental in my grief and trying to use my career choice in going to law school uh, to really drive like making a difference and just doing something that can help people. The, the passion and the commitment that your brother had to so many things that he cared about, you're carrying that forward in this motivation and inspiration to advocate for people who have mental illness and getting them the resources they need. Yeah, very much so. When you think about, like I think back to when you originally contacted us and wanted to, you like wished that there was a podcast out there for people who had been through something similar. What do you think is helpful for others who have lost someone twice in this way or in their own unique way? For me, it's really been just slowing down and really allowing myself to process the feelings that I have and not, you know, judging myself. Like I think so many times we're just so hard on ourselves and this experience kind of forced me to be more gentle and to be more kind to myself. You know, like the feelings of guilt that I may have for not reaching out to my brother as much as maybe I feel like I should, like let myself feel that. You know, you can't change how you feel about something. You just have to let yourself really feel it fully so you can detach from it. Uh, And also just really separating myself from other people's opinions of my brother's death or other people's feelings of it. You know, like my individual grief journey is what I need to focus on and being supportive to other family members and being someone that they can talk to is so important. And I do try to be that person, but I also have really tried to prioritize my own emotional and mental health. And sometimes in this type of situation, what you need to do is allow yourself to really process. You know, I have family members that have tried to cope in other ways and maybe stay more busy and stay distracted. And that works for some people and that's okay. But I think in order to really move forward in a way where you feel like you're dealing with your grief, you have to determine what 
your emotional processing mechanism is and then build off of that. And I really appreciate what you said about engaging with those more uncomfortable feelings Mm -hmm. because sometimes we can hear you know, be gentle with yourself. And that can be translated as you don't have to like engage with that, the shame or the rage or the guilt or whatever that hard feeling is, but to be gentle with the fact that that exists and use that as an invitation to explore it a little bit. Yeah. Or I remember on one of your previous episodes, uh, one of your guest speakers talked about just yelling into a pillow and When I listened to that episode, I was like, wow, that is so liberating. And literally the next day, that was the first thing that I did. Like, it's like, we're just so just shunned from experiencing really raw emotions like anger and just uncontrollable grief. And I think a huge component to grief that is really difficult is just this aspect of losing control and fear. Like there's something so scary about just allowing yourself to feel these painful emotions and just letting yourself go to really experience them fully. Once you give yourself permission to do that, it's very liberating in certain moments. And how hard it is to find... Well, maybe it's not hard to find ways to express that, but we haven't often been taught that there are options to express our more physical aspects of grief and those really big, big, overwhelming emotions. I mean, for me, like, as I said, writing has always been a good outlet for me. And running is also something that I've always relied on just for my own emotional coping. But I have found that those two outlets haven't really helped me in this circumstance the way it has in others. So I've had to kind of shift my mindset and explore other ways to, you know, make myself like feel good and just happy to be, you know, in life and enjoying. Yeah, grief can really derail what our normal coping mechanisms are. Yeah, exactly. Running is always what I've done. And Now it's not working. Now i got to find something else to do in the midst of this already really hard, exhausting process. Yeah, and that's something that I never expected because, like, those outlets always worked for me. It's definitely taken a lot of soul-searching and really trying to identify what the new coping mechanism skills are going to be to be present in the grief journey. Well, in our last few moments, are there other thoughts or things you want to make sure that we're sharing with listeners? Yeah, I mean, I guess sibling grief is often overlooked. And I've thought a lot about, you know, what would have happened if Bobby died 10 years from now and had a family with kids or, you know, 30 years from now where my parents had passed away and I would have been left to make the arrangements for his service and burial and things like that. So I feel like sibling grief is really powerful because depending on when you lose your sibling, it could have a completely different impact on circumstances in your life. I'm 25, you know, my parents are still alive and they were able to handle all of his final arrangements and things of that nature. So I've thought a lot about that and just seeing my mom grieve my brother's death has been a really life-changing experience for me because I really recognize the depth of the love that she has for each one of her kids. And it's just really moving. I mean, it's so sad to see her just in so much pain 
from the loss of her child, but like it also has been the silver lining, I guess, for me and just seeing how much love there can really be in a family and, you know, how much that really matters at the end of the day is the love that you have for your family and the memories that you have with them. Well, thank you so much, Caroline, not only for sharing with us about Bobby and who he was and what an amazing drummer he was and the the legacy he's left behind with you in terms of connecting with family, but also just your really amazing awareness and insight into what's been helpful for you in grief and how having the experience of Bobby having a mental illness and then eventually dying from that illness, how that's affected your grief as well. So I'm just really grateful for you being willing to share that story with us. Yes, thank you for having me. And thanks everyone out there for tuning in today. If you would like to hear any of our past episodes, you can find them in iTunes, Stitcher, or on our website, dougy.org. If you do listen to us in iTunes, we'd love if you could give us a review and a rating as it helps other people who might need this information better find our podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time. Thanks for listening.